0: your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. Now how many of y'all, how many of y'all remembered to bring your outline back? That's a miracle. All right, how many of y'all forgot to bring your outline back? That's, that's uh, okay. All right, that's, that's about right. That's about normal. Amen. All right, if you need an outline, raise your hand. We've got, I printed off some extras uh, just so Uh, For all those that forgot to bring it back and for all the new ones tonight, we'll make sure you get them. Uh, There's a bunch over here, Johnny. There's there's a bunch of forgetful hearers over here. (laughs) How about in the balcony? We looking good up in the balcony? No, y'all ain't got any. Oh, man. Dave, you're falling down on the job, son. My great. Is he going to get some? Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. This may be... This may be one of those lessons that saves your life one day. All right. While they're getting those out, while they're getting those out, uh, I told you, you said 30, and I print off 100. <coughs> All right. They need some upstairs, I think. We need to make sure we get some upstairs. Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise your hand. All right. We got some right here. Johnny? All right. Brother Dustin right over here, right over here, and I think they need about ten of them ten or twelve up upstairs, all right. All uh, right, you did not, you said thirty. you're lying in the house of the Lord. <laughs> all right. hey just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity, after Sunday sermon, how many of y'all how many of y'all had devils throwing punches at you this week? Yeah. Yeah, but we still standing. We here. You see, all them, all them devils tried to keep you from being here tonight, but you here. You here, and we're going to get a word from the Lord. And, and, and remember this uh, we learned who they was last Sunday. We're going to learn what to do to them next Sunday. Amen. How many of y'all, how many of y'all are ready to swing back? Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. I don't like being a punching bag, I, I, I like to swing back myself. Say amen. All right, we are in John 3 and verse number 22, John chapter 3. Uh, we got about halfway through the outline last week, and we're going to try to finish up the chapter tonight and, uh, and, uh, and read, it, read it there. Uh, did you get the ones upstairs? Everybody good up there? Okay, all right, all right. I tell you what, Johnny, you're kind of out of shape, son. It's taking you a while. You, you're going to have to get back on that bicycle. All right, all right, John three twenty two. if you found your spot, say amen. amen. It says, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them, and he baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anan near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples, and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him. Now this is John Baptist, by the way. So there's no confusion whether it's the, the gospel writer, uh, the apostle John. No, this is John Baptist. This is a forerunner to the Lord. This is the one who came out of the wilderness with sac, uh, or excuse me, camel hair, eating locusts and wild honey. So if we all are, are on the same page, say amen. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, and we know this is who? This is Jesus. Say that with me. This is, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. We need to read all that. Let's let's all read that verse right there. He must, but I must. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And he's in reference to Jesus. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth, And no man receiveth this testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things unto his hand. Now, let's all read verse 36 in concert, and then we'll pray. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being saved. Lord, thank you for the privilege of having my sins forgiven. Lord, thank you for the privilege of having... Uh, an assignment, and, and a purpose, and a calling, and a ministry. God, I thank you for the ability to come and, and, and have my health enough to stand before your people and share your word with them. Lord, help me to decrease, and Lord, help, help me to allow you to increase in this service. Lord, let, let you be the only celebrity in the building. I pray that your perfect will be done. Lord, help us to learn. Help us to see the truth of, the, of these few verses. And God, help us to understand the importance of humility in ministry. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Here's the gist of it. If you wasn't here last week, I, I, I'll, I'll, we, what we'll do is we will review and go through this outline quickly, the first two points, and then hunker down in the second two. Uh, where we did not get finished last week. But here's what's happening. Jesus has been baptized. Jesus has called his disciples, and he begins his ministry. He begins to call people. He begins to heal people. He begins to teach and to uh, develop his ministry and his disciples and his followers. Uh, but the thing is, John's ministry began to overlap with Jesus's ministry. Uh, he began, because he, see, here's the deal. The moment, I, I don't know why I thought this, but I had a misconception when I was growing up as a kid that the moment that Jesus was baptized, that John's ministry ended right there uh, because now Jesus is on the scene, Jesus is here, uh, there's no need for a forerunner anymore. And that's not exactly how it took place. After John was uh, baptized Jesus, he kept on preaching repentance. He kept on baptizing, he kept on pointing to this, this one, this Messiah who has come. And now, here in this particular chapter, they happen to be baptizing close together. In other words, if we want to put it in our language today and our terminology and everything, we would say they're having church kind of close to each other. Does that make sense? Uh, they're they're operating their ministry. They are operating their their ministry close together. Well, what begins to happen? What begins to happen? is the followers that used to follow John and used to come out to John's services and and used to come out to John's revival, now they're not going to his revival and they're going to Jesus' revival. That's basically the, the, the premise of these verses. Well, what begins to take place is the highest committee members of John's Evangelistic Crusade Association, came to Jesus and said, hey, or excuse me, came to John and said, hey, we got a problem. We have got a problem. People are leaving our ministry. People are leaving our services. And they're going to that one that you baptized before. You remember that one you proclaimed and you witnessed to and you said, behold, the Lamb of God was taken away the sins of the world. Yeah, they're all leaving our services and going over there. In other words, he's becoming... More popular than we are. Now, does everybody understand that? Now, last week, last week we said that the title, and, and, and basically the subject that we're going to talk about, is ministry. Or, more specifically, misconceptions in ministry. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of places, and there are a lot of churches, and there are a lot of ministries who are in competition one with another. And, and as we look at our notes, if you want to write these notes down, if you don't have them filled out, if you got a blank one tonight, uh, the first thing we saw was conflict in ministry. Sometimes there's conflict in ministry. Sometimes there's conflict in communities. Sometimes there's conflict in cities. Because this church is competing with this church. This church will put on a certain activity. Well, then the church across town has to outdo that activity and put something on just a little bigger and a little more extreme and a little more, are y'all with me? Because they feel like they're in competition one with another. And so here we have a spirit or a mentality of competition and comparison. And one of the most dangerous things you could do in ministry, if you are serving in ministry, if you are, and by the way, When I say that, when I say if you are serving in ministry, all you are, whether you are or not. If you are a child of God, you are part of ministry. You are part of the kingdom of God. And when you are in ministry and you are part of a church, you are not in competition with another church. You're not in competition with another ministry. And And the worst thing we could ever do is comparison. Well, they don't do this like we do it. They don't do that how we do it. Or they do this, but we don't do that. Or we do this and they don't do that. And Comparison and competition is dangerous. It's very dangerous. And and we'll explain why here in just a minute. But here's what's happening here. They're comparing ministries and and, and there's a little spirit of competition here. And that's a conflict. It always creates conflict. Where does this come from? We learned last week this comes from being wrong in our mentality. This comes from being wrong in our mentality. We we have that and I gave you to them already, the two words that you put under there is comparison and competition. That's a wrong mentality. If somebody is preaching the gospel in Coleman County and people are getting saved and people are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I don't care if they sing the same songs we do. I don't care if they say have the same ministry we do. I don't care if they go to church on Tuesday instead of Sunday. If they're seeing people saved and they're coming to Jesus and they're doctrinally straight and they go by the Bible, somebody ought to shout amen. They don't have to do it exactly the way we do. Now I not have to look exactly the way we are. It doesn't matter. Paul said it this way. Paul said it this way. He said there are people, when he was in prison, he was sitting in a Roman prison, and he said there are people today that's taking advantage of the fact that I'm in prison, and they're even saying and telling lies about me, saying that, that I'm in prison because I've done wrong, and they're saying hurtful things about me. But this is what he said. But they are preaching the gospel. Even though they're saying hurtful things, Christ is being preached. You know what he says right after that? Uh, so because Christ is being preached, so what? If they want to talk about me, so what? If they want to do it different, so what? If they have it di- are y'all with me? Y'all not hearing me tonight? <clears throat> ain't no comparison. There's no competition. I want to see people saved. I want to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now, when that when, when when those mentalities are wrong and and and, and, and when I say mentality, what well, we think this thing's all about. Because there's so many people who have their way of thinking, their way of thinking has been formed by tradition and not truth. The things that they believe. Now here's what here, and here's another problem. Now I, I I was I was I was chasing a lot of rabbits last week, but I I've jumped a couple more tonight. Here's a problem: we've got people that will try to take the Bible to prove what they already believe or already think, instead of taking the Bible to determine what they need to believe or think. Does that make sense? So the way Paul Paul done it or the way I've always done it in church, or what that forms the way I think it ought to be done. And then when somebody comes and shines a light on it, and says, listen, uh, you're doing this, but the Scriptures say this, we have a tendency to believe what we've always done more than the light of the Scriptures. I had, I had a preacher friend of mine, I had a preacher friend of mine that was talking to a guy, and he, and he, was, he was discussing this thing, and, 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 and the church was doing some things that he didn't like. And and and, and that the, the, they didn't hadn't hadn't done before and that type of thing and 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 he said he said he was telling brother this is this is this was his exact words he said this is what the Bible says and this was what the response was I don't care what the Bible says I know what I like now now I hear all y'all. Now, we, 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 are, we are, like, really down on this guy because he vocalized what some of y'all are thinking. Now, you wouldn't come out and say that because you don't. But you'll sure get mad when somebody does something you don't like, even if they got Bible for it. So what's the difference? Man, it got quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> Let's shoot that rabbit and go on, Amen. man? What's the, what, here, here's, here's my point <clears throat> our mentality our mentality is how we think things ought to be does everybody understand that? how we think things ought to be what they thought what they thought is John's ministry should get bigger, 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 bigger and what John is saying you got the wrong mentality you got the wrong understanding of the way it's supposed to be And so we have people today in churches that are so traditionally minded and have such a religious mentality that they're bottlenecking the church and the church cannot be successful and the church cannot uh, do what the church is supposed to do because the church is doing what they think it should do. And it moves, watch watch how this works. It moves from being outwardly focused to inwardly focused. It moves from having a mentality that we have to reach the loss to the mentality that we have to take care of ourselves. It goes from having an aquarium mentality. Hello. So, we've got the wrong mentality. Not only that, not only that, write this down. If you didn't, if you're taking notes, you got an empty page because you forgot your lesson. (laughs) <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm just trying to lighten everything up y'all so tense right now all right conflict in ministry comes from a wrong mentality they were wrong in their mentality then b they were weak in their maturity a lack of maturity will always cause an imbalance in mentality they were they were weak in maturity and what did I say? When we're weak in maturity, there's attitudes that are produced. There's attitudes that are produced. I, I read, I'm, I'm not going to read it tonight, you can go home and read your notes tonight. In 1 Corinthians, Paul was dealing with a really immature church and a really carnal church and a fleshly church. And he said, he said you got, you got bad attitudes. They were judgmental, they were critical, and they were negative. And then the actions that are produced from having a judgmental, critical attitude is there's envy strife and problems. Are y'all with me? Y'all know y'all know the churches. Y'all know the churches. It don't, it don't take. Uh, listen, I, I know where we're at, and I know there's a church on every street in Coleman. <clears throat> and the reason there is is because there's a bunch of people that can't get along with each other. I wished it was because we was a great church planning city, but it's not. This crowd will get mad and go over here and start new whatever and just put the name right beside it. Why? Because there's envy and strife. And what's the other word Paul used? Divisions. You know where that comes from? Immaturity. Immaturity. Preacher, what are you saying? Man, we need and by the way, an immature crowd is not. It's not the crowd's fault. It's the one feeding them. Maturity only comes from development. And development can only come from good nutrition. Y'all with me? And so we we need to be mature. Because if we're not, if we're a church full of immature people, we're going to have conflict. We're going to have problems. All right, Can, does that make sense? Can we move to point two? Okay, the second thing we find. All right, this is the conflict that arises. Hey, they're leaving us and going to them. They're they're going to their ministry instead of ours. So John responds. This is this is point number two. John responds to the conflict in verse number verse number twenty seven. John answered this. He, John answered. Are y'all there? Say amen. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. And this is what this is this is a very this is a very burden lifting statement for if you're a pastor, if you're a ministry leader. Uh, here's the deal. If God wants this thing to go, it'll go. If God don't want this thing to go, it won't go. Everything we have, we've received from God. The reason, uh, yeah people call all the time, all the time. What's the secret? I said I don't know. I don't know. Well, what, you know, people, people watch the Internet all the time. And listen, don't know why in the world this place keeps growing. <laughs> and you know what I tell them? I don't know either. <laughs> Except the fact that God wants it to. There are men in this city way more educated than me. There there are people that's way more eloquent and and people probably whatever, but guess what? God's doing what he wants, where he wants, how he wants, with who he wants. Now, here's the thing that we got to remember here. If we ever forget that, he'll stop. Whenever we think that we we have arrived with, with the speaking abilities, it's over. If we ever think that, that we had the choir of the century, and even though I like them, I like them. I mean, I can't wait to get here to hear the music and everything, and I love the worship and all that. But when we start thinking it's us, it's over. John is telling his disciples here, guys, listen here. The only reason we had crowds in the beginning in the first place is God let it happen I mean, how else is it going to be that you got a wild man coming out of the wilderness that's wearing camel hair, eating crickets, and eating honey, and you got crowds coming out to hit? Well, that might be kind of interesting. Hey, man, I don't. Y'all with me? It's a God thing, and you know what's so great about this? He knew it. He knew it. God determines. God determines. And here's in your notes. This is what I want you to write down in your notes. The source of ministry. It's from God. It's from God. Everybody in the world, and, and, and I need y'all to hear me on this. I need y'all to hear me on this. Every, we get calls every week. Every week. Without, I mean, just burns down my, my, my uh, what do you call it on? Email. Email. Uh, all the time on Facebook all the time you know I'm starting this ministry and, and here I need you to support this or uh, I, I want to come do this at your church I want to do all the time I'm talking about every single week it's just, just one after another after another after another after another and and so uh, you know it it's, it's, it's very difficult and you want you want to try to be nice to everybody. You want to try to be nice to everybody and try to encourage everybody, and you want everybody, hey, man, if it's a God thing, it's a God thing. I want you to be successful. But you can't you can't support every ministry. You can't support every single thing. But then what happens is people will get mad. People will get mad. Well, you're not. Uh, God's called me in the ministry, and you're not. All right, here's one thing you've got to understand. If God is calling you, there will be opportunity. And if there is not opportunity, it's probably a good thing, it's probably a good idea that you're not called. I've had preachers get angry at me because I wouldn't let them preach. Number one, they can't. Number two, number two, God didn't tell me to let them preach. Now, I can, I can live with number one. I've let people that couldn't preach preach because God told me to let them preach. Everybody's got to start somewhere. I'm not against a rookie. I'm not against somebody who's just starting out. God knows I started somewhere. Boy, y'all missed it all, too. <laughs> I, <I'm laughs> oh, yeah, I got video, <clears throat> unfortunately. I remember, I remember when I first started preaching, uh, I I, I, so ner- "I mean, you think I'm nervous now. I was way nervous then. And, 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 and my dad, he he'd he let me, I say let me, he'd make me preach every Wednesday night whether I wanted to or not. And, 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 and I'd come up and, 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 and have my little sermon, my little outline, and, 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 and I'm talking about just a couple minutes. It was over with. I was in the introduction sitting down. My, have things changed? And 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 you hush up over there. Now if you are watching on the internet, I didn't say to a normal person, hush up, it was that stinking Andrew Winfrey over there. I told him to hush up. I had people I had people that would come and and, and they'd cut up me after church and say, Preacher, I went to the bathroom in your introduction, and when I come out, you was in the conclusion. <clears throat> and one particular, one particular Wednesday, I kind of went long. I didn't realize I went long. I guess the sign when, when my dad was on the front row doing like this. That should have been the sign right there, amen. Cut it out, amen. Well, after that, then there the very next Wednesday. The very next Wednesday. The church come in, and when I started, everybody held up brown bags because they thought they was going to be there a while. <laughs> you know what that tells me? I've been, been preaching to heathens my whole life. Amen? <laughs> Everybody's got to start somewhere. But, but if God doesn't say it, you ain't preaching up here. I, 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 got, a, I got a nasty note this week. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get plumb off Facebook, I'm telling you, because they can get to me. I'm talking about a note that long, mad and angry because they wasn't allowed to give their word. I don't know who you are, and you ain't giving no word in here if God don't tell me to give you no word. Because I don't know what word you're going to give. <laughs> nah, I'm... You know what, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, right after you preach on the devil, he unleashes it on you all week long. <laughs> angry. Listen, one, one particular gentleman, this is a long time ago, and he's, he's, he's in heaven now. So you ain't going to know him, so don't even try. But he was angry because he felt like churches was not giving him opportunities. And, and, and here, here, is, here is what I need everybody to understand. No church is obligated to give anybody an opportunity. On the flip side of that, on the flip side of that, I have never, never one single time called somebody and said, can I come preach for you? Never. I remember the first time, I remember the first invite I ever got it was from Willie Ward, Lighthouse Baptist Church. And I thought this was the coolest thing in my life. That somebody's going to invite me to come preach. Not for no paycheck, just to come preach. I remember the night. I remember when he took me to Shoney's afterwards. Say man, And from that night on, I've had invites, and I've had people calling, and I've had, would you come? Not one single time have I ever tried to create an opportunity for ministry. And with that being said, I've never lacked for opportunities for ministry. And if it's a God thing, God will open the door. God will create the opportunity. God will speak to the pastor, to the ministry, to the area to say, come and preach. Don't try to force a door open and don't try to make something that's not there. Please get that. Yeah, it is. It's good. Everybody in the world is trying to start something or start a ministry and they get mad at churches if they won't have them in. And they're frustrated because they're not getting a love offering or or a I'm telling you, if it's a God thing, God will make it happen. You know what John's saying? The only reason I'm out here is because God gave it to me. Now watch, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've got to tie that part in with what Job said. What did Job say? Naked came I into this world. And I'm going to return the same way. He said, whatever I have, God gave me. And if he decides to give it, amen. If he decides to take it, amen. And so John is saying, "Look, if God decides that... I, I, I was listening to, I was listening to John MacArthur preaching on this particular chapter today. I did have my earphones in, and, and he 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 phrased it this way: ministers, <clears throat> ministers. And, and when I say, you remember I went last week when I said ministers." Uh, ministers is everybody serving God? Not just preachers. Everybody's serving God. Is everybody get that in a balcony? Can you amen? You remember what I said there? So we're all ministers. And this is, this is the way he described this. Ministers are the flashing stars in the darkness of night. What are they doing? They don't have their own light. They're reflecting the light of the, y'all ain't even getting it. They don't have their own light, they're just reflecting the light of the, now watch this, you remember that, I must, come on now, I must, but he must, watch this, the stars are reflecting, they're shining, but what happens when the sun comes up? I'm going to get here. Y'all get with me, won't you? What happens when the sun comes up? Or let me change the terminology. What happens when the sun increases? The influence or the... Oh, say amen. Do Do you know when a church is the most effective? When they cannot see me... They cannot see the choir. They cannot see the volunteers. They cannot see any of the people. But all they see is Jesus and what we're doing. Yeah. Are y'all with me? That's good. Amen. I can't help it. I got that off the Internet. Amen. See, I'm the kind of pastor that will admit it. Amen. I don't care listening people smarter than me. If they got it, I'll get it. Amen. I will pirate it. I will pirate it. Amen. I'm telling you what, when I heard that, that blessed my blesser. I'm telling you, that's good stuff. (laughs) Y'all know we probably ain't going to make it again tonight. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) It's y'all's fault... All right, here we go, here we go. All right, well, number one, the conflict in ministry. Number two, the creation of ministry. Where does ministry come from? How do we get a ministry? It comes from God. It comes from God. He said it is given him from heaven. So we see the source of ministry be the size of ministry, the scope of ministry. In other words, God will give it to us, God will determine how big it gets, and God will determine how long we get to keep it. And, I, and and that's kind of where we stopped last week because, you know, I, I use the terms. I, I don't want to be, when it comes my time to, to turn it over to a younger guy, I don't want to be that Saul who's chunking spears at him. There's been so many churches who, who the, the, and, and I get it, man. I, I, I can't imagine, this is, this is like my baby. My whole, most of my adult life has been spent working in this place and, 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 and sweating and bleeding in this place trying to do everything I can to work this ministry. So I understand turning that thing over, but, but man, I want to have enough grace that I can enjoy and, 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 and be blessed by who God brings in next. There's tons of ministries that were thriving and going and blowing and reaching people and, and the minister determined that he's overstayed his time. But God determines that. Nobody lives forever. Ask Ecclesiastes. There's a time for every season under heaven. And the sun will set on my season. And I meant it last, last week when I said, I hope I have enough grace to let him handle it and me go fishing. Say amen. God determines that. God determines that. Not you, not anybody else. God determines that. All right, number three. Number three. Let's look at this. The confirmation to ministry. What helped confirm in in John's heart and give him the ability to say, I must decrease and he must increase? The confirmation to ministry. Write write this word down. Let's look in verse number 28. verse 28 are you there say amen ye yourselves bear me witness he said you remember when i said this you heard me when i said it ye yourselves bear me witness that i said i am not the christ watch this here but that i am sent before him i'm not here to usurp the authority of christ i was sent before him Here's what I want you to write down. Put, A, put, put this, this word right here in A. I want you to write down the word purpose. What, what, gave, what gave John the grace to say, I must decrease? In other words, what gave him the strength and the ability to say when he was once the most popular and powerful preacher that was on the planet at the time? And by the way, according to Jesus, he was the greatest man ever to live. What gave him? what gave him the strength and the, and the grace to say, I need to get out of the picture? It was because he knew his assignment. He knew his purpose. Preacher, what's the point? Our ministries and our lives will be so much better and so much more stress-free if we could ever understand what our purpose is, I I, uh, I, I, I've I've gone down, I've gone down to the TSM, and I, there was a there's a period of time that I had to be down there several weeks in a row, <clears throat> and I'll be honest with you, they terrify me, <clears throat> even worse than y'all do. <clears throat> I mean I love kids, don't get me wrong. I love teenagers. But that's not my calling. I went to a I went to a teen rally. I went to a teen rally in Columbus, Ohio. Probably, I don't know, thousand kids, thousand teenagers. I was drinking Pepto, eating Tums. I'm talking about I was a nervous wreck. I was sitting on the front row and thought, I, I just didn't, I didn't think I was going to make it. I, honest to God, I didn't think I, I, through the whole thing, I was sick to my stomach. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. They said, oh, we thought it was great. I said, I don't know who y'all was listening to. I mean, it was just rough. I, I, all I wanted to do was get out of there. I, I, I was looking for the last point of the sermon, man. That's all I wanted. That's just let me get out of here. That was on Saturday. The next day, I was preaching in regular church with all the adults in there. And guess what? Totally different. Totally opposite. Totally in my zone. Totally in the place of my calling. There was liberty. There was freedom. There was ability because I was in my assignment. I was accomplishing what God had called me to do. And you want me to tell you why there's so many frustrated Christians? Is they're trying to accomplish someone else's assignment. They're trying to do things that God has never called them to do. There's been times I've done something and just went to God and said, God, I need some help. He said, what are you doing? I said, I told him what I was doing. He said, I didn't tell you to do that. Hello, am I preaching to anybody? You know what helped Paul to step back? Excuse me, uh, Paul too, but helped John step back. He knew his assignment. He knew his assignment. He knew his purpose. He understood what he was there for. Secondly, secondly, write this word down. Write the word pleasure down. Write the word pleasure down. Let's look at the next verse, verse number 29. Watch what he says. He he uses the illustration of a a wedding. He says this, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, that's the best man, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, say it with me, this my joy. therefore is fulfilled. Now, now the, the, the best man in that day, the, the best man would be responsible really for the wedding. He was responsible for the organization of it, the putting together of it. Many people believe it was the best man that come to Mary and said, Hey, we're out of wine. You need some help. We need some help. Are you all with me? It was his responsibility to make everything put together and make it all work. And, and, and then the bridegroom shows up, and now all the focus and the attention goes to the bride and the bridegroom, specifically the bridegroom. And he said, Listen, when he shows up, I back up. He said, my joy is not in the fact that I put together a great wedding. My joy is in the fact that I can look at my best friend, I can look at the bridegroom, and he's smiling. My joy is in his joy. He said, what has that got to do with anything? When you can learn, oh boy, when you can learn to be happy when he's happy, when you can learn to be content when he's happy. Not, watch this, watch this. Y'all watching? Not content in what you want to do. Let me say that again. Not content in what you want to do. What's the point? When I resign Longbridge. <clears throat> I knew God was through with me there, and I knew he wanted me to resign. Well, there was that waiting period, that time in between there and here. Man, I did everything. Y'all know the story. I'm not going to rehash the whole story. I I thought, man, maybe God's want me to be a missionary, and I tried to make that happen and do all kind of stuff. And I'll be honest with you. When I was not doing what I wanted to do, I was miserable. Miserable. Now, I'll be honest. First, first week after resigning, it was heaven on earth. There ain't nobody calling me no more. And I thought, this is great. I had to worry about somebody disgruntled or mad at this or mad because I didn't do this or wasn't here at this thing. and all That was wonderful. About that second week, that fire that God put in me was stirring up man I was miserable I'd go to church and I was miserable I'd go to church and Preacher Brown would open up the Bible and he's starting his introduction or, or when the choir got to that last song y'all know that song right before the preaching yeah that's when I get real excited <coughs> I get fidgety and I know it's fixing to happen and it's fixing to be boy when that song would, I knew it was fixing to be preaching time man I'd want to be preaching and let me tell you something, if you've got a call of God to preach in you, you want to preach if it's good preaching you're hearing, or if it's bad, especially if it's bad preaching, you sure want to preach. Y'all with me? Man, I was miserable. We was living in a little town called Johnston, South Carolina. Just had a little store, railroad tracks, red light, little store. Long way from everything. I mean, it's like, I don't know, 40 miles maybe? 40 miles from Augusta, from civilization. Our first date, when me and Tammy went on our first date. We, we, we rode with friends of ours, went to see Christmas lights, and come back, she got in her car, and I said, I'm going to follow you home, make sure you get home. <laughs> she said, I live a lot, no, I, I said, I ain't going to hear it. I said, I'm following you home, whatever you think, I'm following you home. She said, okay, 40 miles later. I thought, dear God, does this girl live in Tennessee? I mean, what in the... W-? long way. And, man, I, I'd sit on that porch, and I was just miserable. I went to Sutton, West Virginia. Preacher, Preacher Brown knew I was struggling, just having a hard time, because I just... Ugh wanted to be preaching, and I just, I knew that's what God's call for me was, and, and stuff wasn't happening, and he said, man, go, go, to, go to this, it was a tent meeting, a tent meeting at a fairgrounds in Sutton, West Virginia, and me and Jonathan McNeese, I don't know if y'all have seen him, he's the goober on Facebook putting videos on there all the time, <laughs> he, he bumped his head when he was little, I don't know what happened but uh, we 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 all piled up and 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 took and drove preacher Brown uh, to West Virginia and, and and on the way there, this is what he said. Doctor Brown said said son you're gonna have to learn to be happy where you are. And 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 basically to translate that he said you're gonna have to be, learn to be content in your calling. In, in the place that God has you right now, in this season. And we got there, and, and I remember him praying. He took me and Jonathan, and put one hand on one and one hand on the other, and prayed, and he, he said, he, this was the exact words, he said, Lord, let the wait, let where you've got them prepared for and what's prepared for them be worth the wait. And we got back all the way home, all I could think about was being content where I was at. And I made up my mind. When I got home, I said, "Lord, if You won't be me a Sunday school teacher the rest of my life, so be it. I'll drive nails and be a Sunday school teacher." And I wasn't very good at driving nails, by the way, because I'd drive them through my fingers and I'd cut my. <laughs> if y'all remember Russell Marsh, I was working with him. I said, "If that's what you want me to be, if that's what you want me to be, that's what I'll be." A Sunday school class had been—I'd been filling in for a teacher for like five or six weeks—and they said, "Want you to be our our teacher?" I said, "Okay, suits so me." The week after I agreed to be their teacher, Jeff Robertson called from Coleman, Alabama, he said, "Hey, we're looking for a t- uh, preacher." I said, "I'm not looking for a church," because <laughs> you remember at that time I thought God was wanting me to be a missionary, and you know. Needless to say, I come over to fill in, preach that Sunday. The next Sunday, we had this big cookout get-together to kick off my, my journey as a teacher for that class. The following week, they asked me to come back and bring Tammy, and I've been here ever since. <laughs> What's the point? I decided, Lord, wherever you have me, whatever you have me doing, I'm going to be content if you're happy now watch this not content if i get to do what i want them to do there's so many christians that are disappointed and discouraged today because they're not getting to do what they want to do because it might not be where god wants them to do it at or the timing may not be right and you're frustrated and discouraged because you're not getting to do you're not content because you're not getting to do what you want to do well if you'll learn to be content in him What did he say? This, my joy, is fulfilled because he's got joy. When I look over there and I see the bridegroom smiling because he's in the arms of his bride, that's all. I'm good. Not whether or not I get to do what I want to do. My joy is in him. How many of y'all know ministry is up and down? If I was only content when this building was full... Now, let me get, let me, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be transparent. I'm not going to be dishonest with y'all. Sometimes when it's not, when there's not that many people in here, it's, it, it's tough. I mean, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? I remember when the first crowd went over to Fairview, and, and I it just don't, that don't click in my head, you know. And they come in here, and it's not what it, it didn't look as full as it used to look, and it, And I have to realize, my contentment cannot be found in whether or not it looks like we're being successful. My contentment's got to be in whether he's smiling or not. Does that make sense? All right, look at this third word. Write this down. We see the purpose. He understood his assignment, his pleasure. He was content where God had him, when God had him there. And let me say this before we go to see. None of what I just said is easy. I wish it was. I wish I could tell you when I resigned Long Branch that I just was in peace and harmony and just was waiting blissfully for the next. I'm not going to do that to y'all. It was tough. I didn't like it. It It required patience and it was patience that I needed at the time, that's why God allowed me to go through it. And I I guess I'm saying that because some of y'all may be going through that right now, and if that's so, then you need patience. And and the only way to get that patience is to, okay, you get it. Look at it, let's see. Ooh, I can do it, it, guys, I can do it. Look here, Write write the word pursuit, his pursuit. And see, this will will bring us into the next point. The very next verse, verse 30, says, He must increase, but I must decrease. That is one thing every minister of the gospel, every child of God, should be pursuing in their life, is that they become less, and He become more. And that this world sees less of them, and more of Him. Because, the last point. Write this down. Write this down. I want you to see the centralization of ministry. What does it all boil down to? What, what, what does John want them to centralize? And when, I, when, when, when it means to come to a point, what is the purpose? What is the, what is the conclusion? What is the, what is the point? Look what he says. Look what he says. <clears throat> Why do... Why do I need to decrease? And why does he need to increase? Read the first line. Read the first line of verse 31. He that cometh from above is. He that cometh from above is. Above all. Write this word down. Our ministry should be completely about our Savior. The focus of our ministry, the focus of our individual ministry, should always be and focused on our savior the lord jesus christ he should be above all in every thing somebody say amen look at look at colossians 1 in your notes colossians 1 for by him For by him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, say that with me, that in he might have the. Preeminence. In other words, he's first. He's first. The singing should be about Jesus. The preaching should be about Jesus. The teaching should be about Jesus. The service and the servanthood should be about Jesus. Holding the door open should be about Jesus. Parking cars should be about Jesus. Are y'all with me? And when I say the singing should be about Jesus, I'm not just saying the words. I'm talking about our actions, our delivery, what we are. It shouldn't be about us. We shouldn't be up here standing glorifying, and saying, look how good I can sing. Listen to my voice. Look how I can harmonize. No, no, no. If that's the case, you're increasing and he's decreasing. Anytime man gets credit, anytime man gets glory, it robs glory from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that should never be. Anytime man is elevated and Christ says, listen, he is brought low, that is a cult. It is all about the glory of God. We are to live to the glory of God. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. If 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 we feed little children, it's so they can say, look what a God we have. If we whatever we do, whatever ministry we're involved in, whatever service we provide, whatever praise and worship we have, if God is not the centerpiece, if Jesus is not number one, if Jesus doesn't have preeminence, then we are not doing it right. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch how this works. Watch how this just ties together. If Jesus is being glorified, it don't matter who's singing. If Jesus is being magnified, it doesn't matter who's preaching or teaching. And if all we care about is the glory of God and the joy of the Lord and the smile on Jesus' face, we don't have to be the one singing. We can enjoy that someone else is glorifying Him. But if we get mad because we don't get to do our thing, then you've just made it about you. And you just took glory away from Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, there's people in churches everywhere that want to perform and they want to have a place to showcase their talent. And if that's the case, you, you need to sit down and don't even get on the platform. You have no business nowhere near the platform. The number one, I got three minutes. Let me just, let me give you the words and I'm going to talk to you in a minute. <clears throat> look, a second, look at a second, look at B, look at B. Look at this is verse, and by the way, y'all notice I'm giving you verse for verse. This ain't my opinions in this deal. All right? Look, the scriptures, we centralize our ministry toward our Savior. That's verse 31. Look at verse 32. And he that has seen what he has seen and heard, that he testify. And no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. Now watch here the words, verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaketh the what? Listen, our ministry should be centralized around our Savior and around the Scriptures. Be the Scriptures. This is no place for someone's opinion. This is no place for someone's theories. This is no place for someone's preferences. Brother Craig Edwards was telling me he was at a a camp meeting in Louisiana. there was a guy there that just had an axe to grind because brother Craig had been really trying to influence young preachers to preach the book not what you think not your opinion don't try to get the bible to back up what you want to tell somebody and there was a guy that just didn't like all that well he stood up and he began to preach And he said something about wire-rimmed glasses. And he said, y'all been preaching for years against wire rim. glasses. I know that's not in the Bible, but preach it anyway. And he listed two or three things that traditionalists, fundamentalists have preached down through the years that they have no Bible for. And basically what he was doing was glorifying and magnifying old-time religion and tradition. And it doesn't matter if it's in the Bible, just preach it anyway. Now, sad as that is, That's not the saddest part. The saddest part is there were seasoned saints in the pews that was shouting him down. When they should have stood up and said, wait a minute. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Paul didn't say to Timothy, preach whatever you think. Preach whatever you like. Preach your preference. Preach your tradition. Preach what you think or your theory. No, sir, that's not what he told Timothy. He said, preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and what? Doctrine. Don't be preaching anything else. Preach the scriptures. And by the way, that's enough. There is power in the Word of God. There's no power in my opinion. Nobody wants to hear what I think about something. They want to hear, thus saith the Lord. I can give you the book, the Bible, where it is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Somebody say amen. It wasn't somebody's opinion that sobered up drunks. It wasn't somebody's opinion that put people's families back together. It wasn't somebody's tradition or preference that changed the world and turned the world upside down. It was the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And our ministry should be focused and centralized around our Savior and our Scriptures. And then lastly, our salvation. Our salvation. Look at the next verse. Verse 35. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Let me say this, and I hope you you don't get offended, but you need to understand this. The primary purpose of the church in the ministry is the propagation of the gospel. It's not feeding the homeless now I'm not, I'm not against that I'm for it brother Travis is one of my great friends and he's doing an incredible job doing an awesome job but guess what if all he does is make sure somebody has food in their belly and he does not give them the gospel he's missed it and by the way I'm using that as the illustration he does or we wouldn't be supporting him. But Jesus fed the 5,000, yep, so he could teach them about the bread of life. The number one thing we can do is share the gospel to see people saved. I'm for digging wells. I'm for providing blankets to refugees. We did it. Out of our own pockets we gave. I'm for all that. But if we're given blankets to keep somebody warm and we don't tell them about Jesus, why send somebody warm to hell? You know why John's saying what he's saying? He said, for this, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. There's no way I want to fill a man's belly and not tell him that there is a hell that he can avoid and there's a heaven he can gain. What's the greatest principle of ministry? What's the greatest principle of ministry? If there's anything I want you to leave this building with tonight, it is this fact humility I, I told you earlier that, that I, 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 there's some guys, some preachers that come in on Fridays when we can something that's been so crazy with our schedules lately but they come in and I sit down and and, and the very first thing, and I sat, sat with them about 45 minutes and, I, and the very first thing that God wanted me to share with them the most important part about what God is calling you to do humility let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal to God but made himself of no no reputation no reputation there's too many people concerned about their reputation today what someone's going to think what others are saying Jesus had no reputation Listen, I said, be humble. You can be firm. You can be, you can be stern. One of my f- most favorite preachers of my whole life was Brother Buster Seaton. I had the privilege before he died to take him to the Waffle House. I know that don't mean much to some people, but Dad had me take him back to the motel after a camp meeting service, and and he said, Are you hungry? I wasn't hungry, but I was going to say, Yeah, anyway. Just to hang out with him. I said, Yeah. So we went into Waffle House. Now, this is the type of guy, I've never heard him tell one joke in the pulpit. When he came to the pulpit, it was all business. All business. And my whole life growing up, he was kind of like, he he didn't really he didn't really associate with kids and stuff like that. That wasn't his. He was serious all the time. And so he was kind of the one I just. And I'm sitting there across from the table and I'm eating and I'm just listening, kind of. Not starstruck, but y'all know what I'm saying. He was one of my heroes. And a song come on the jukebox. <clears throat> he said, "You know what?" And I remember I grew up pretty conservative christian home and that listened to a lot of stuff that song was playing he said you know what that is i said no sir he said that's stepping (laughs) wolf now y'all are laughing as far as i knew that was a contemporary gospel group i didn't know who it was he said, You know who that was? I said, no, sir. He said, Boy, we used to sit around, smoke dope, and listen to that. And I was like, oh! You're talking about traumatizing a young preacher. I'm 17 years old. My hero, smoking dope, listening to Steppenwolf. That was free Jesus, guys. Free Jesus. How many of y'all done some stupid things before Jesus? We were sitting, we were sitting in that that booth. And we were talking about different styles of preaching and different styles of ministry and there's one particular guy that's like he's pretty he's he's out there. I'm just going to say that. That's almost say. And and I said, how does God use something like that? Because it was really, in in my opinion, it's kind of mean. I mean, like, really mean. And he said, and he explained some things, how God just uses different people to reach different kinds of people. But one thing he told me, and this I'll never forget it. He said, guys, (laughs) guys, Malcolm. He said, we all need hard preaching but we don't need harsh preaching did y'all, did y'all get that he said we're all human we're all we all are prone to mistakes we all can i'm i don't care how good a christian you are we can mess up and do stupid things and during the week we can get kind of sideways and come sunday god will have to We all need, including me, we all need hard preaching. But nobody needs harsh preaching. And here's the thing, let's be firm, let's be true, let's be biblical, let's be scriptural, but let's be humble. And if we do that, God will bless our ministry. If we will decrease and allow Him to increase, there's no limit to what God can do in this place. And there's no limit to what God can do in your own lives. And all God's people said. it. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your life.